Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. If you're taking notes today, I've titled today's message, Living on Leftovers. Living on Leftovers. How many of you in this room, with a show of hands, how many of you in this room love to take home leftovers? Like you're a a leftover person. Like you can just take home some leftovers. Oh yeah, baby, I see you in the back, girl. Hey, baby. My wife back there is notorious. And so I, I think some leftovers are great, like a gumbo. A good gumbo is great as a leftover. Listen, day two, day three, all those spices just be sucking up in there and just uh, just kind of absorbing in that meat. Oh, man, c'est, c'est bon. Well, I'm going to make some gumbo tonight. Anyway, I'm from Louisiana. Anyway, all right. So, uh, so gumbo is good. Jambalaya. We had jambalaya last night. Jambalaya is really great as leftovers. I love it. Come on, Thanksgiving. How many of y'all love a good Thanksgiving leftover meal? Love a good Thanksgiving leftover meal. Well, like I was saying, my wife is a leftovers queen. We'll go out to the restaurant and we're leaving. I'll pay the check and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, baby, you need to get a box for that. I'm like, love, there's like two stalks of broccoli. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll eat that one for dinner. I'm like, it's two stalks of broccoli. You know, just get a box. Just get a box. Like, we got to bring that home. She loves leftovers. Well, I don't know about you, but every time you get leftovers, you, you kind of, you put it in the refrigerator. And if you're anything like us, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what you do is, is you actually begin to eat around the leftovers. You don't actually tackle the box. You, you eat around the leftovers because you had all this food that you had prepped for. You went grocery shopping the weekend before. You got all the food in there. And so you begin to eat around all the leftovers. And what happens, is by Thursday, those leftovers had made it to the back of the refrigerator. And so now what do you do? You grab those leftovers and you give it the old smell test. Like, like you, you got to give it the smell test. You realize that that thing ain't no good anymore. It kind of had a little fur growing on the top of it. So, so you realize also that the garbage doesn't run until Monday. So what do you do? You put it back in the refrigerator. Like, like, you don't throw it in the garbage can. No, no, no. You put it back in the refrigerator and you go on about your business. Not sure. But see, I believe this. I believe just like our fridges, we have things in our lives that were meant for a season and we're trying to digest something that is old and God is saying, hey, 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 you need to add a little bit of some fresh ingredients to that. There's a lot of things that we put into our lives and we're trying to digest, but God is saying, listen, that's an old, that's something old that I gave you. That's something old that's no longer working. That's something old that's no longer feeding you. You cannot live off these leftovers. See, some of us are like our fridges where we are full, but we have nothing spiritually to eat. So how do we get some fresh ingredients in our lives? How is it that we're supposed to go through our life on day to day, on Monday through Saturday? How do do we get some fresh ingredients? And I want to read you this passage in Psalms chapter one. It says this. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. And I love this passage because at the end of it, it says to meditate, to meditate, to meditate. You know, the original language of this word, it actually means to chew. It means to ruminate. And if you don't know what ruminating is, if you don't know what the original context of this is, let me kind of help paint a picture for you. Have you ever seen a cow in a field where this cow is literally walking around and their mouth is always moving? Always moving. They're, they're, they're always moving their mouth. And what they're doing is they're actually chewing this food and they're ruminating on it. What that is, is the cow is eating the grass, chews it, swallows it, regurgitates it, chews it some more, swallows it, regurgitates it, chews it some more, swallows it, regurgitates it, and chews it some more. This is what this means. Technically, it is chewing. It is ruminating. It is meditating on God's word. It's not just reading it and checking it off the list. No, it means that we have to be in a constant meditation. We have to be in a constant chew. We have to be in a constant learning to pass the test of life. So I remember um, when I was in high school, school was very difficult for me. And and, uh, the reason why is because I was dyslexic. It was hard for me to read, you know, like literally when I read passages in the Bible, a lot of times I have to read it and read it and read it and read it and, and, and internalize it because it's, if I just read it for the first time, it just, I just start jumping all over the page. And so in high school, it was very difficult for me to learn. And it actually became a point to where people actually laughed at me because when I would be in the classroom, the teacher would say, okay, class, we're going to take a test today. And so Charles, if I can get you to come on up so I can give you your test so that you can bring it to the librarian so she can read the test to you. How many of y'all know that's humiliating? Especially as a teenager. So all these kids, they'd be like, oh man, he's stupid, he's stupid. But but I, I never forget when I would be in class, I would walk in class and a teacher would say, oh, all right class, we're gonna have a test today. And everybody would be like, oh man, we got a test today? But don't you worry, class, it's an open book test. Well, man, I actually could do good on an open book test. Why? Because I, I, all throughout the week, I'm reading it, I'm looking at it, I'm listening in class, and I kind of knew where things were and different things like that. But there was this girl by the name of Erin Parker. Listen, I'll never forget that girl for the rest of my life. She helped me graduate high school. My senior year in high school, I had to take English three and four. I had to take algebra one and geometry in order for me to graduate. The reason is, is because I was on vacation for my sophomore year, which vacation was, I was in juvie, so I didn't get to finish my year. But I, but I end up my senior year, I'm taking all these things. And so when the teacher would tell me like, oh, it's an open book test. I'm like, I, I can do this one. I can pass this test. This, this, I got this one. For whatever reason, I never really understood this. Aaron would begin to say, I'm not gonna use my book. And I would ask her, I'm like, it's an open book test. Like, like keyword, catch a clue, 
open book test. And she would always say, she would tell me, she'd say, yeah, but I really want to see how much I learned the previous week. I want to see how much I retained. I'm like, you're an idiot, but all good. So I would go, I would literally, I would take this test and as I would take the test and I would get the score back, guess what? Your boy would actually outscore Aaron Parker. Hello! You know? I'd outscore. I was fired up like, girl, you're the smartest in the school and your boy outscored you. Why? Because you were dumb on this day. You didn't use the book. But here's what I want you to understand. Because I think we can begin to use this as an example in our lives of what Aaron did. Because a lot of times in life, we're coming to the wrong conclusions. We're getting the answers wrong. We're not passing the test. And all along, God is saying the answer is in the book. The answer's in the book. Uh, we, we, we try to stumble through life. We go through life and we're trying to, trying to figure it all out. We're trying to get it all together. I'm trying to get it all together and hold it together because y'all are making me laugh in the back. I don't know, but it's all good. We stumble through life. We're going, y'all gotta stop. Like I'm just for real, I'm, I'm gonna lose it in two seconds. We're good. You know how you like you're in class sometimes and you know you're not supposed to laugh, but then you're holding it together and it's like, man, I can't stop this from going. Well, that's kind of where we're at, I guess. But her example where she's trying to live off of yesterday's leftovers, she's trying to live off of the previous week, she's trying to live off of something that she knew. And God is telling us the whole time, hey, guys, the answer is in the book. Listen, leftovers are good for a season, but they were never meant to sustain you. They're good for a moment. They're good for a season. They're good for all of these different things. But listen, they were never meant to sustain you. Why? Because the Bible talks about how every single day there's got to be a fresh anointing. We can't live off of last Sunday. We can't live off of yesterday. We can't live off of 30 minutes ago. No, we have to ask God every single day, every single moment. I need a fresh anointing from you, Lord, because what I have inside of me will not sustain me because it's a leftover from last week. That's why daily, every single day, that's why during the week we got to come together. We talked about this over the past several weeks. In Acts chapter 2, it says what? Every day, every day they came together. And I want to I read Judges chapter 16, and, and I want to kind of like set this story up because it talks about a man by the name of Samson. If you're not familiar with Samson, Samson was this, this man uh, who had this ungodly amount of strength. Nobody could take him down. He had this gift of God in the, uh, on his life, but there was one thing that he was not able to do, and that was to shave his head. He couldn't put a razor to his head. He couldn't put scissors to his head. He couldn't do anything like that. And so one day, what, what happens with Samson is Samson in, in this 
passage, he's, he's actually a womanizer. He's constantly going around looking for different woman, women. And he came across this one name, uh, one lady by the name of Delilah. And this is where I want to pick up in, in verse seven. And I got a lot to read. And so just follow it along on the screen. Just bear with me for a second. And it says this. It says, Samson answered her, meaning Delilah. If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she tied him with them. When men hidden in the room, she called to him saying, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. And then when the men hidden in the room, she called to him and said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threats. Delilah said to Samson, all this time you had been making a fool of me, lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And he replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took seven braids of his head, wove them together in the fabric and tightened them with a pin. Again, she called him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how could you say you love me when you can't confide in me? First of all, let me just say this. Samson's an idiot. Can, can y'all agree to that? I mean, this dude right here literally has telling Delilah every single thing she wants. And up, oh, by the way, you're trying to be attacked. Let me tell you again. I mean, an idiot. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. I love this, this scripture right here because it says with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. You know, when I read this passage, it, it made me think about the enemy. It made me think about how often does the enemy come at you day after day after day after day, tempting you and telling you and asking you to do the same things. And finally, like Samson, he said he was sick to death of it. A lot of times in our lives, we get to this place to where, man, I'm just sick to death of this nagging and this prodding by the enemy. And so what happens is, is we stumble into temptation, just like Samson. Verse 17, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. 
So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. And after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from the sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. I don't know about you guys, but this is a hard passage to swallow. Because I think you can live your life in such a way that you can serve God out of what your parents taught you. You can serve God out of what a school taught you. You can serve God basically saying, man, I came into the church and I I started to serve God and I was doing all of these things and God, I was serving you because of my parents or I was serving you because of this decision that I made. But somewhere along the lines in life, what happens is, is we begin to stop meditating on God's word. We, we, we think, you know what, I'm just going to live my life on the leftovers. I, I've been in church my whole life. I've been following God my whole life. I've been doing this church thing for the past year. I've been doing this church thing for the past six months. I've got journal after journal after journal. I've got praise after praise after praise. And what happens is, is we get to a place in life to where we're no longer seeking Hosanna. We're no longer seeking Jehovah. We're no longer seeking the king of kings. No, we're living on the leftovers. Just like Samson. I'm going to go back and do what I did before. It's not something fresh. It's something of the old. And then we find ourselves as humans in this thing called life, trying to live off of leftovers. And then we find ourselves in a place just like Samson. And we didn't even realize that the Lord had distanced himself from us. We don't even realize it. Until we get to this place in our lives to where we begin to say things like, man, I don't even know where God is. I, I, I don't even feel his presence. I don't even feel him close to me. I don't even know if he's listening to me. Come on, have you ever been there before? God, are you even hearing my prayer? Are you hearing my cry? I don't even know if you're there anymore. Well, Charles, I thought the Bible said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Yes, you're correct. That's true. But there's also someone called the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave us. And ever, whenever we're walking through life, and you can, you can understand what I'm about to say, you're walking through life and you're about to make a decision and that Holy Spirit begins to convict you like crazy. All the sirens are going off. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't reach out to them. Don't make that decision. Don't take that. Don't do that. Don't watch that. Don't go with them. And there's conviction, a strong conviction, a heavy conviction, and sirens are going off everywhere. And a lot of times in life, if you're anything like me, what we do is we begin to push back the conviction. And we begin to take that step again. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is there again and he's convicting us and he's convicting us. And we say to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to push back the conviction again. 
only to find ourselves down the road to where we're, see, we're starting to actually do the things that we know that we're not supposed to do. We've pushed away the conviction of the Holy Spirit and now we find ourselves in a problem trying to rely off of the old, trying to live off of the leftovers, trying to, to save ourselves off of old things. And God is saying, hey, listen, you can't live off of that. The thing that helped you once before is not the same thing that will help you today. It's a new wine skin. You can't put a new wine in an old wine skin. It will burst. No, it's a fresh thing. God, why can't I feel your presence? God, why, why, am, I, why am I not feeling you anymore? Why, 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 God, why don't I have those thoughts and that fresh worship that I once had? Why do, why, why do I not have that vision? Why do I not have that joy? Why do I not have that passion? Why, why have I walked away from my calling? Why have I walked away from all of these different things? And I'm telling you, God has never left you. But what happens is, is you begin to leave God. You push back. But the Bible says that if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. In order for us to get that presence of his, his, his presence back, in order for us to get that, that purpose back, in order for us to get that anointing back, we have to begin to understand, no, 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 I've got I've to begin to bring back the presence of God and I've got to begin to do what it was that he asked me to do before I pushed away. So how do we begin to live our life on the fresh ingredients of God and stop living off the leftovers of yesterday. The first thing is this, is you have to chew. Yeah, you have to chew. Every single day you have to chew. And listen, if you, if you have a trouble, if you have a hard time reading and it's, it's difficult for you to read, guess what? Technology has made it super easy. Listen, do download the U version, download Glorify, download uh, Pray First. There's so many different apps that you can download. I love it because every morning I get up and I've been listening to this Glorify app and it gives me a scripture, it gives me a devotion, it gives me prayer time, and then it gives me worship time. I like to call it the first 15. Five minutes in the Word. Five minutes in, in prayer, five minutes in worship. What does that do? It, 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 I'm chewing on God's word. All throughout the day when I'm having a hard time, I, I know, okay, man, the scripture of the day was this. And so it may not have anything to do with my situation, but I know that God's word is alive and it's active. It doesn't matter if that scripture has to do anything with my situation, but I know that I'm serving a living God. I'm, sp I'm, I'm speaking a living word and his word is alive and it's active and it begins to pierce. It begins to help me move throughout the day. You got to chew on God's word. The second thing is this, is you got to get planted. You've got to get planted. Psalms 92, it says this, it says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock 
and there is no wickedness in him. Have you ever wondered, like if you go to a beach or anywhere where there's palm trees, have you ever wondered like if a storm comes, a hurricane or whatever, a storm comes, you never really see a palm tree blown over. It's always a pine tree, it's always an oak tree, it's always all of these different trees. But a, but a palm tree, it's always standing upright. Did you know this, that the more that a palm tree, tree bends and flexes, the more that the storm puts pressure and weight on that palm tree, the stronger the tree actually gets? Did you know that your storm in life is not meant to destroy you, but to strengthen you? There's too many times in our lives where we let the storm in our life destroy us. But I'm telling you today, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon and they will bear fruit in old age. Why do you need to be planted in the house of God? It's because that when you are going through these hard seasons of life, these storms of life, the heartache of life, guess what? Everyone in this room is not going through a storm. You're either out of it, going in it, or coming out of it. That is the, that is the kind of the, the, the flow of life. But when you're going through something and you can come into this place and everyone is like-minded where we worship the same God together, you can come in hurt, broken, busted, and there are gonna be people that are rallying around you, holding you up. They're gonna be guarding you. They're gonna be girding you. They're gonna be pushing pressure, saying, listen, I know you may not be able to pray right now, now. I know you can't see the finish line right now. I know you can't get out of this cloud right now, but I promise you there is light at the end of the tunnel. Those that are planted in the house of God, they will bear much fruit. We've got to understand that we can't just unplug when things get hard. No, this is the time where you have to inject the plug so much further. Get to the source. Source is not running from God. Source is running to God. The source is not running from the church. The source is running to the church. Can I tell you that there are so many people in this church that have gone through or going through or about to go through something tragic? But because they stayed rooted and planted, they're coming out ahead. They're coming out ahead. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's enjoyable, but you're not meant to do it alone. You've got to get rooted. You've got to get planted. And I can have the team come on back up. The third thing is this. You got to chew. You got to get planted. And the third thing is this, is you have to serve. You have to serve. But Charles, why are you saying I have to serve? Because Jesus did. You know, one of our core values at Revo Church is servanthood is our model. Why is that a model for us? Because Jesus modeled it for us. I love the gospels. If you ever ask me, Charles, what do I need to start reading? I don't really read the Bible. What is it that I need to start reading? I always tell you the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because it's a model of how Jesus lived. It's a model how he talked. It's a model how he showed action. It's a model how he 
pulled away. But here, here's what I want to say is that everywhere in the Gospels where we read that Jesus did something great, he began to pull away from the crowd. He had some disciples come with him. He said, hey, listen, listen, I, I need you to come with me. I want to teach you some things. I want to show you some things, but not just that. I want you, I want you to come with me so, so I can hold you accountable. You can hold me accountable. Listen, never go anywhere alone. Always go with someone. But Jesus would pull away and he, he would spend time with the Father. And as he's spending time with God, he's, he's getting a download from heaven. It's, it's, it's like the windows of heaven begin to open up in our lives and, and he begins to get this, this download from heaven. But Jesus didn't just stay there. You know, I hear a lot of Christians and believers and, and people like that today, they say, oh yeah, 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 man, I'm just, I just want to soak. I want to soak. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to soak. I want to just soak. I want to soak. I want to soak. Nothing wrong with soaking. But at some point, you can soak too much to where you're so heavenly minded, you do no earthly good. Oh, it's about me. I just, I want to feel you. I want to feel you. I want to feel you. I just, I need more of you, God. More of you, God. More of you, God. At some point, you can't have any more of him. Why? Because God has designed us for him to pour into our lives. We're, we're, we're a cup, we're a vessel for him. But he pours so much into us and, and then as he's pouring into us, there is an overflow. Picture a pitcher up here of me pouring water into it. Eventually it's going to overflow out of the pitcher. There's no point in continuing to pour in that pitcher. It's full. So what do we do? We take that pitcher and we begin to bring it out into the community. We bring it out to our family members. We bring it out to our spouse. We bring it out to our children. We bring it out to our coworkers. And we begin to pour into their lives what God has poured into ours. We got to pour it out. We got to give what God gave us. We got to give it back to those around us. And then when we find ourselves running out, guess what? We have to go back to the source. God, I'm just a vessel. I don't have much, God, but what I have, use me. I don't know much, God, but what I know, use me. God, I'll, I'll give it to you. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we begin to get filled up once again. And as we get filled up, what do we do? We bring it right back out to fill those up. A lot of times when you hear people say things like, man, I'm burnt out. I just got nothing left to give. Well, my question to you is, when's the last time you spent with Jesus? When's that last time you really sat with him? I don't mean like two weeks ago, because we're not living on leftovers. Those are gone. Those are old. They're stale. They're moldy. That was the word for that day. What's the word for today for you? What is it that you've, that you've done today? How have you ruminated today? How have you chewed today? How have you spent time in God's presence today? Because it's in the overflow that you give. 
The reason why you, you feel tired, the reason why you feel burnt, the reason why you feel uh, just, man, I, I can't, I got nothing left to give. Guess what? Your pitcher is empty. You got nothing left to give because you haven't sat in the presence of God for him to give to you. It's in the overflow. So I think as we begin to prepare ourselves for this week, I want us to, to remember this. Let's always be a church that's chewing. Let, let, us, let us revo church. Let us always be a church that's chewing. Let us always be a church that is planted. Not here today, gone tomorrow. No, I'm talking about planted. Listen, you're not going to find a perfect church. It doesn't exist. Because people are in the church. And guess what? I want this church to be a church where there are hurting people. It's not meant to be all perfect. I want us to be a church that accepts those that are walking in these doors that are hurting, that are looking, that are searching. Let us be a church that is chewing. Let us be a church that is planted. Let us be a church that is serving. Because guess what? There are people that are dying and they are spending eternity away from God. And that to me is hell in itself. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at Revo Church FL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at Revo Church FL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.